7 to 8 p.m. Sport on with Tabi Somosia. Thank you, Greg, and good evening, everyone, and thanks for staying with us on SAFM and for joining us on SAFM Spot On. Um, it is our first show of the week, and there's only one place to start, and that is the Springboks' big win over Canada today by 66 points to 7 to safely book their place then in the Rugby World Cup quarterfinals. There were 10 tries in total, with Kobas Reynach scoring 3 in 11 minutes. It's a World Cup record for a hat-trick, so the Box are likely then to finish second in Pool B, and uh, their quarterfinal will be on Sunday, the 20th against either Japan or Ireland. Could it even be Scotland? Well, we'll get the thoughts of former Springbok Bola Conradi. Was this the box best performance so far? You remember when we spoke to Nas Porta last Friday, he said that the box need to put 60 past these Minos, just like the All Blacks, and they did just that today. A great all-round performance, controlled and attacking rugby from the Springboks today. And they didn't drop the intensity from what I saw in the second half like they did when they probably played um, Namibia. We'll also look back then tonight at the performance of Team South Africa at the World Athletics Champs in Doha where they came back without a medal and it was a low-key arrival too back home. We didn't even receive an email as the media but they are homecoming and I wonder how many uh, members of the media were there at OR Tambo to welcome our team back home. Khotso Mukwe another long and triple jumper will talk to us about the World Champs. We'll get his thoughts on what uh, he thinks of uh, Team Essay's showing there. You might remember that. Was it back in 08 at the Olympics in Beijing? Khotso was the only South African to come back uh, with a medal. And then we'll go over to PE to the Bafana Bafana camp. That's where we'll speak to the inform striker Bradley Krobla ahead of Sunday's Nelson Mandela Challenge match against Mali at the Nelson Mandela Bay Stadium on Sunday. Remember, it's not Saturday. That game is on a Sunday. So we'll speak to Bradley Krobla. Gives us also a chance just uh, to uh, congratulate him and Supersport United, of course, on winning the MTN8 final. He's got that only goal in that 1-0 win over Highlands Park. So if you want to weigh in on any of our conversations tonight, whether it's the rugby or it's the world champs uh, or it's Bradley Krobler, please feel free to call us. Our studio number is 0891-104-207 and uh, we do take SMSs on 41391 and on WhatsApp we take voice notes, so keep those coming in on 061-4104-107 and uh, also let me give you an update from the cricket. It's day two of that four-day series, a four-day franchise series, and there is a thriller of a game, uh, depending how you look at it, in porch between the Lions and the Cobras. So the Lions were bowled out for 215 in their first innings, the Cobras for 129, and uh, then in their second innings, the Lions could only make 119, which means that they set the Cobras 206 runs to win. And how's this? The Cobras went to stumps on day two on 191 for nine so they need 15 runs with one wicket remaining if you have nothing to do you're around Porsche tomorrow morning go and catch some cricket it might be 10 minutes but it should be a lot of fun there and then in um in Kimberley by the way in this match the spinners have been taking all the wickets in this match between the Lions and the Cobras I saw George Linda took 11 wickets there and then in Kimberley the Knights are playing the Warriors the Knights made 299 they bowled the Warriors out for 196 Natemba with the 73 there and uh, the Knights are 31 for 1 and now it stamps on day 2 leading by 134 runs and then in uh, Centurion uh, the Titans made 441 in their first innings. There was 100 for Fahan, Behardin and Neil Brandt, if I remember correctly. And then uh, the Dolphins, 
uh, are on 188 for three. So they trail by 253 runs with seven wickets remaining in their innings there. That's what's happening in the four-day franchise series. But up next, we're going to talk rugby springboks with Bola Conradi. Tabiso Musia on SAFM. So let's talk rugby then. And uh, former Springbok Bola Conradi joins us on the line. Bola, good evening from us on SAFM. Uh, good to hear from you, and thanks. Thank you very much for the for your time. Good evening, mate. How are you doing? Fine, thanks. In you, Bola. Um, I'm good, man. I'm good. Before we get underway, when we tweeted that we're speaking to you, people wanted to know what you're up to these days. I know that you were doing some coaching. Are you still involved? Yeah, I'm still involved with it at UWC. It's a big, it's big line coach. I'm still involved. And is it something that you've always wanted to do after your playing days, Bola? Yeah, we're always, uh, after rugby, we always uh, we're, uh, want to stay in, in the game. And I would teach, teach younger kids how, how to play rugby. Mm. And and how's the talent? Are you happy with the talent coming through? Coming through? No, the talent, the talent is coming coming through by UWC. Like we, also thank you, was in UWC. Currently, uh, Aaron was in UWC, UWC uh, Sevens. And Lyle is now in the Stormer squad. So it's coming through. Mm. And how are those boys now after the loss of their coach and obviously somebody that you work closely with, Chester? Yeah, me and sister was, was big mate, so it was heartbreaking when I, when I heard he, he passed away. Mm. Let's talk about uh, today's match of Ebola. The box got a big win over Canada. It was only Canada, but do you agree with those who say it was probably their best performance of the tournament so far? <coughs> yes, 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 I, I agree, I agree. Uh, I, th- I think we have the best attacking performance for the, for the first 40 and you take a break after... After half time, we didn't play well. The first, the first ten, and afterwards, we were taking, we take, we will take it. And there was a lot of talk about the how the box were lacking some attacking intent. Uh, is that what pleased you the most? Then that the fact that they were more attacking from the first whistle. Yeah, they were more attacking today. Like uh, our nine and and and, and ten controlled the game very well. So I think there was the more, most attacking game. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And talking no, about they were, they were taking, they were taking brilliant. Yes, no. they throw the ball around. They was running in space, kick for space, like Elton kick for Warwick Holland into space. So mm. the, the technical kicking was also good, mm. and they they are doing the space. What about Kobas Reynach making history, scoring the fastest World Cup hat trick as a former scrum half? What did you make of his performance? <laughs> Uh, no, it is good. He, he was uh, performing very, very well today. The first, the first, what, what, fifty minutes, he was uh, playing very well in his in his score just to run the inside line. Mm-hmm. And then you see, see guys like Tirpa and uh, uh, also in what's his name, Eric uh, Smart, uh, just running mm-hmm. inside line from uh, uh, for for your defence. There were other guys in that backline bowler that had a chance to put their hands up. Is there anyone else that impressed you there? I, I, I think Warwick Holland is a gifted, is a gifted footballer. So uh, he impressed me on, on, on the wing. He impressed me on the wing, but he's uh, only 15. Damien Williamson played very well today. And, you know, the old man in, in, in the backs. front, mm, front stay. Yeah. And if you had to look at that back line, there's probably one place available in that match day 23 after the injury to Jesse Krill. And the battle was probably between Alton, Sbu, Damien, uh, Warwick. Who wins the race for you then? Uh, 
I think Elgin played well today and he didn't play well against Namibia. Play, uh, Namibia. Mm. He didn't play well today, but it's a World Cup. And uh, if I'm going to choose between the three, I will, I will go for experience like, like Elton. He played in the year against the All Blacks. He, he played last year against the All Blacks. So I will go with experience. Mm. Okay, let's go to the voice notes. We've got a voice note or two that's come through on 0614104107 about the rugby. If you want to send it, that's our WhatsApp number 0614104107. Yes, Tabisho. Great to have you back. Yes, yeah, the Springbok played well today. Uh, for the first time, we've seen some good-looking tries. And now we are going to the penultimate stages now of the World Cup. And unfortunately, we'll never see any backline move. <laughs> we are going back to our 10-man rugby. But I guess if it, if, if it does what it takes to win the World Cup, let it be. That's Jordan from Kuruban. Good evening, Tamisa. Also, good, good evening to Bula. Can you please ask Bula uh, why it does? Uh, uh, I mean, what does what does he think um, that does uh, the uh, Felix Jones bring uh, to the Springbok setup? Uh, so, what does he think that Felix Jones bring uh, the former Irish international, who uh, Rasmus says he is a defence consultant in the team. He's de- um, like. Um, uh, analyzing the uh, defense of the opposition. So, what value uh, does the former Irish Irish international Felix Jones bring into that team? And the other question is because it is likely that he play um, Ireland in the quarterfinals. Uh, does he think that uh, what you know um, is insights that he will bring uh, to the team, uh, uh, considering that he was part of that Irish team in 2017? He knows the language of his speak. He, uh, you know, I heard John. Uh, say that she's concerned that Felix Jones, the South African team, because they are likely to face the box in the quarterfinals and he knows everything of the team. He knows their language, he knows how they speak, he knows their culture. Okay, Libra, thanks for that. And Jordan, thanks for that. I think they're very similar, um, Bola, about the backline. Let's start with Jordan from Kuruman. Uh, like you also said, there was a lot of action in the backline, but do you expect them to go back to what's been working for them before this game in the knockout stages? No, I don't think they will go back to the kick from nine. Uh, so try to suffocate the opponents in the half and kick the technically good. So we're going to put the up with 12, come forward, so you come around. That's how we win a World Cup. That's how we win a World Cup. So you can see in 2007 we win the World Cup. Uh, there was no, nothing stabbing in attacking play in 2007, no attacking play. Just put it up, play direct, play, play to South African. Mm. Uh, strong, strong points. So, just your defense, your, your defense in World Cup, you know, World Cup finals, and in, in the World Cup, much, much, much strong. Like we have, like thirty-six points against us, like in four games. So that, that that's excellent. Our defense is excellent at the moment. So that that defense goes uh, uh, let you win World Cups. And Libra wants to know, what do you make of Felix Jones's contribution to this team after they lost Swasty Brain? We actually spoke to Nasporta on Friday and he, he was saying that they're probably missing somebody like Swasty Brain because he was more attacking. What do you make of this new guy that's coming in? And, and what can he do during a World Cup since he wasn't part of the team uh, when they were preparing? Like I said earlier on, the, the, the Irish is the same. They nothing extravagant like, like the Jones guy. They're going to put it up. Just play from nine, 
play for him. If you go with the wider channels, you're going to play for him 10. If you're going to put up in the middle, uh, forwards, you're going to play for him 9 again. So he is no, he no island out, ins and outs. So my, my, maybe he will bring some some quality value to the team. Mm. Do you see what is done so far? Or do do you see what Felix Jones has brought to this team, or is it like what you were saying that the defense is very tight and they're not conceding too much? No, I I think Jones Jones is a taking coach. I, so the first three games I didn't see any attack. So only today I see uh, the back is running on ball, play later but flatter than than normally than normally they play. So so today they're running onto the ball and play much flatter than than your pre, pre, uh, previous uh, three games. Mm. It's either Ireland or Japan to a lesser extent Scotland in the quarterfinals. But realistically, Bola, should the box fear any of these teams? I don't know. I don't say the box must fear anything, any team. At the moment, Ireland is uh, not Ireland, but uh, Japan is playing some good, good, good uh, footy. They play running on the ball. They playing with extravagant pace. So. So they're playing some good rugby, but the boy, the, the boy, I think the boys in a good space. Mm. They are confident, they are relaxed, and they stay by, by the structure where what they believe. There's also been a lot of mixed, a lot of talk about playing an A and a B team in different matches. Others say it kills the momentum, but the coach wants to give every everybody a run. Where do you stand in this debate? I think everybody, like uh, there's 32, 32 players going to the World Cup, so everybody must get a, a, a chance to go, to be to play the World Cup. And today, everybody's get a chance. I think also got a restart. So uh, everybody got a chance to the World Cup. You can't go there and just keep the backs and all that stuff. So all all fair to us, you give everybody a chance. And if you if you grab your chance with both hands, you will you will be in the match 20, 23 players. And 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 Bola, just your thoughts overall on this World Cup, what you've seen so far. What's your overall impression? Some say the gap is too big between the top size and the rest, and they must reduce the World Cup. What are your thoughts on this? <laughs> if, if, if we reduce the the World Cup, like a in a B thing, is not going to be a World Cup anymore because you play in a, a B section in, a, in an A section. So I, I I don't the the scores is lower mm. than the previous years. I know. It, the score is very lower than the previous, like 95, New Zealand win, uh, Japan 147-24. It was 95. Now the the scores is, is tight. Say four years ago, Japan win, beat us in, beat us. So the, the score is very low. So it's not a big, big gap for me. It's like this small, small margin mm. between winning and losing. And lots of red cards and yellow cards too. Are the refs being too strict here, or they're just following the law to the T? <laughs> uh, you know, as a referee, as a referee um, <laughs> everybody is small, so so they just uh, they just uh, keep it into into the rules, into the book. So, I, I the discipline is very important, especially in the World Cup. Okay, great. Like the guy of the Canadian is, is getting a red card today. Yeah. Uh, he cleaned the guy with, with, with no shoulders. So yeah. they, they, the referees are looking for it. So stay, stay in the skeleton and obey by the rules. And finally, how do you see this World Cup going, Bola? Who, who do you think will be in the final? Uh, the final is South Africa. 
And I hope England beat uh, New Zealand if they get him or I don't know how it work in South Africa, uh, maybe New Zealand or England. Okay. And don't, uh, don't leave the Aussies out. They're very good in cup years. Yes, they're very good World Cup. They're very Australia. good in cup, in World Cups. So don't leave them out. Okay. They, are very, they are a very clever team also. Great stuff, Bola. It's a pleasure talking to you. Glad to hear that you're still involved and you're doing very well. And uh, hopefully we'll catch up with you again before the end of the tournament. Okay, thank you, mate. Thanks, Enjoy Bola. Thank you, you too, sir. Uh, Bola Kondradi, the former Springbok scrum off, talking to us, former Stormers man, of course, also about the Springbok's performances over Canada. You can still keep those voice notes coming through, 061 uh, But we're going to change focus up next, and we're going to talk athletics with uh, Khotso Mukwen. At SAFM Radio and at Tabiso Musiya on Twitter. Okay, we've got a voice note before we speak to the croc. Let's go to WhatsApp. Hello, Tabiso. Hello, Bola. Um, I just want to comment on the rugby today, Tabiso. Um, I think Rassi did very well uh, setting up the team for today. Uh, the guys played very well. Um, obviously, again, I'll say it's Canada. Um, so, But we saw a lot of guys with potential, even though they do not have that much experience. A uh, couple, of, couple of handling errors in the second half, a couple of mistakes. But um, you know what, all I'm saying is that Rossi has to put the right team as of Sunday, he has to choose the right team, the right players to put on that field because the top eight are not teams that to be taken lightly. We have seen what Japan has done and nobody's ever thought that Japan could beat the teams that they've beaten. Um, so yeah, I reckon that the top eight is great and that we part of it is great. Uh, we just need to step up. Oh, great, great, great voice note there. I didn't get the name there, but i got to agree with you. Rassi has really managed this team uh, very well because his, his objective was to give everybody a run. And like Bola said, even Damien got a run today. And even the forwards, I mean, how good was Arches Neyman today? Man of the match. And the box are really blessed with talented lock now. I wonder if he's forcing himself now into that uh, in, into that team. Remember that uh, Lord Diaga against Namibia, was it against Namibia? Was phenomenal. And then he got a starting place ahead of Franco against uh, Italy. So he's forced his way into the team now. He's no longer part of the bomb squad. And um, Arches Neyman was really, really wonderful. Uh, today, even the captain, Siakolisi, guys, good to see him play back-to-back 80 minutes. It seems like he's getting his confidence back. He's getting his belief back. Uh, so they're really building up nicely to the knockout stages. Uh, so let's see what happens then in the quarterfinals. We're going to turn our attention now to the athletics. Uh, the world champs in Doha finished this past weekend. Team South Africa coming back without a medal um, from the games but they did finish I think it was was it 18 or 20th on the points table and the points basically judge you by the finishing positions in the final so like Akani's fifth place in the final uh, Luvo's fourth place and Ruchol's fifth place will also count in getting points and then they finished 18th I think in that medal in, in, in that points table rather but no medals and I think that's the big talking point and we joined on the line now by the croc himself Khotso Mukwena Khotso good evening from us uh, thank you very much for finding time to speak to us on SAFM. Thank you so much. Uh, really appreciate it. Firstly, how was it watching the World Champs from home? Uh, it was uh, actually, you know, at first, you know, uh, uh, when the championship is coming up, you know, I was really, really, really get really excited, you know, mm. to uh, to watch your, your uh, colleagues compete. And then uh, finding out that 
The performance is not what we expected, but uh, it, it was. Uh, I wish I was there as well. You know, it's uh, it's actually my first time missing out on the world championship. Mm. And um, I know, I, I know. Obviously, you haven't retired. Are you disappointed by missing out? And do you still have your sights on Tokyo 2020? Yes, absolutely. I think I still have uh, one more Olympic Games left uh, in the in the lakes. Uh, I'm just giving it one more season, 2020, to qualify for the for Tokyo Olympic Games then I'm hanging up the boots <laughs> okay you had it first there Kotsu after Tokyo yeah. 2020 let's hope he gets there then he'll hang up his boots I've been a, a, a glittering career so far but what's your overall impression then of Team SA's uh, medal-less performance Kotsu is it as bad as it looks on paper I think it's, it's, it's not as bad as it looks on paper I think you know uh, with, uh, with the absence of, of, of uh, the likes of um, Wade and 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 Custer Semenya, I think the guys did quite well. I mean, Akan was fourth. I mean, yeah. uh, that that's very close to a medal. You know, uh, uh, Luvo was also there, quite close to the med- uh, very close to the medal. Rafael was also giving his best. You know, I think uh, also J- uh, Mokoka, you know, did mm, his best. In the marathon. I think with the marathon, yeah, I think I I, I think they uh, with with the. Sem- circumstances that uh, they are in the top athletes in this country with uh, with a lack of support i think that they did the best that they could you know i think uh, to be able to become a world-class athlete uh, without any any strong support from home is, is not the easiest thing to go out there and, and compete against athletes that uh, have all the support 24 uh, 7 from the government from the sponsors uh, from the brands in their own country uh, from their own federation uh, we, we we don't have that kind of support, and it's not so easy. I mean, to to step up and be in the world championship final without uh, proper proper backing. Okay, we, we're going to get back into that, but I want us to look at some individual performances, starting with the jumpers you mentioned, fourth and fifth for Luvo and Rushual. Yeah. Uh, Luvo had a best leap of 8.28, Rushual a season best of 8.23. So you're saying that they should not be too disappointed with their performances. Yeah, they shouldn't be. Obviously, they're going to be very disappointed because, I mean, uh, if you look at their their best performance, Russell with the 841 and Luvo with the 863, mm. you know, it's a, it's a huge difference. But, you know, when the problem is when you get to a championship, you know, anything is possible. You know, uh, it takes many, many, many months to prepare for a championship. And when you get to the final, the body doesn't respond <laughs> the, the, the way you wish it would respond. You know, sometimes you just have to take it to the chin and just fight another day. Were you surprised that um, that, that Gail beat Henderson in Echeverria, the red-hot favorite in that long jump final? It was it was, it was re- real fireworks today, you know. Uh, I know Gail was uh, a threat, you know. I mean, he's been coming low-key, 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 but I didn't expect him to pull such a big jump in, in such a world league jumping off. 867, you know, uh, we expected Achivera to, to reach those kind of heights. Mm. But like I say, you know, um, you get to the finals, the body doesn't respond. With Achivera, the body didn't quite respond the same way that he, he hoped it, it could have responded. I mean, he had at 830. I mean, um, I mean, he could have went much, much further than that. We know he has done 8870s, and yeah. it was just not possible in the day, and it was just Gale's day, you know. I mean, uh, it was amazing from the Jamaicans. I mean, the history of long jump, by the way. <laughs> and yeah, and what makes this kid at Chavaria so special? Because he seems like he's one to watch for years to come. But having said that, I mean, G- yeah. Gail is also only twenty-three. Yeah, yeah, of course. I think, uh, I mean, last year we thought uh, Chavaria was the only guy that's 
uh, that's that's gonna uh, produce bigger bigger jumps i mean we're talking quite close to nine meters mm-hmm. if if not even nine meters you know sure. and now yes someone else in the field you know so uh, that definitely means that the long jump ev- event itself it's starting to uh, to show immense competition you know uh, i remember in the past with mike powell and, mm-hmm. and carl lewis it's, it's, it's starting to happen you know a long jump is becoming a very competitive uh, event in the track and field so uh Achivera, he has to now pick up his socks i mean sometimes you need you need you need someone else to come and and rise you know and just shake you up uh, so that you can also try and reach your potential so, but we'll see next season yeah and and now you mentioned akani uh, another close but yet so far yeah. in the 100 meters he ran a 9.93 a season best chris coleman yeah. ran a world leading 9.76 regardless what yeah. you think of him and degrasse yeah. pb 990 uh, can akani push himself harder for tokyo 2020 and and how does he take this performance yeah i think for akani this is a I had a bit of a chat with him uh, uh, after the finals. You know, I think I think this is a tipping point for him. I think this is where he's really going to start working really, really hard. Because I mean, I mean, the, the bronze medal was just right here by him. Mm. You know, and he, he just missed it. I mean, these, these those kind of moments are the moments that actually starts to define. You know, those are, those are the tipping point that actually we we now going to start seeing Akani doing quite well because of of these kind of situations. Obviously, he's he's. Uh, uh, he was not happy with the performance. He knew that he, he had a potential of getting a, a medal, and he just just missed it. And obviously, with with, with the fans looking from the outside, thinking, "Ah, oh, ah, oh, oh, bad performance." It's not bad performance. I mean, if, if you miss a medal like that, mm. you are definitely going to be hungry to go for more. So, I'm looking forward. I'm excited to see what he's going to do from here. And mentally, what kind of a state is he in? Because uh, psychologically, they're calling him the nearly man, doesn't really medal at his major champs, even though he was the Commonwealth champion. No, he's coming. You know, he's coming. I think uh, it's easy to say a lot of things when you when you just watch him from yeah. the TV. You know, it's, it's very easy. But, uh, I mean, you look at Akani's, Akani's consistency, they say. He's ran quite a few of the nine nines you know, uh, sub-10s, yeah. uh, more than last year, if you think about it. So that means that means 2020 is actually the, the right time for him to start picking. I think he's going he's gonna to head, head towards that. I don't think he's worried about what people are saying about his performance uh, in Doha. I mean, uh, every athlete that performs bad, you, you get these kind of critics. It's normal. You just have to uh, take it to the chin and move on to the next level. The relay team, the 4 by 100 meter relay team, the men's team was also tipped to win a medal. They got into the final. Was that a good yeah. showing for you and a good build-up to Tokyo? Because it seems like we've got a lot of talent when it comes to the sprinters. Yeah, yeah. with the, with, with the sprinters, I mean, it was amazing that they broke the, uh, the, the African, African record, yeah. record. African record in, in, in the semis. Yeah. That was uh, a wonderful thing to see. You know, it just shows that, you know, uh, the, relays, uh, the relay is also starting to come come back to bring more medals you know uh, back in the days of uh, Sean Fries Paul Horace those guys back in the days with Matthew Queen well with, yeah Matthew Queen yeah. you know guys like that were doing very well with, uh, with the relays and our guys are now finding uh, coming up and Paul Horace was actually the, the relay coach there in Doha you ah. know and uh, that just shows that you know uh, there, there is something uh, for, for 2020 Olympics with the relay as well and I believe for the first time they had a chance to work together because they didn't really get to practice or train in other in other in other championships or, or other other competitions. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, it it, it, it goes back to what I was saying earlier on that uh, if, if if we have enough, if our federation have have, have enough support to give uh, these athletes a chance to uh, to train together as a team. I mean, uh, with the relay, it's very important to have uh, training camps together, uh, more competitions together. You know, get used to the feeling of of, of passing the baiting to each other. Get used to the to the vibe as, as a team instead of just showing up at the at the championship. It's it's not so easy, but. Uh, it was nice that uh, for the first time, I mean, they were working together in Gemona in Italy mm. uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, before the championship, and that, that, that gave a real boost. If, if they had more time, I think we were going to get a medal. Now, Croc, you mentioned the absence of Caster Simenya. By the way, if you've just joined us, we're talking to Khotso yeah. Mukwena. We're reviewing the World Champs where Team SA came back without a medal. And I was saying you mentioned the absence of Caster and Wade. Yeah. And granted, but does it not show that we don't have a succession plan here? Yeah, I mean... If, if you look at the, the, the I mean, if, if you look at the athlete, you, uh, uh, the athletes, we definitely have uh, good cards to play with. And mm. then you, you look at the drawing board. Uh, that's something that we have to focus on. We have to focus now on, on the drawing board. You know, the federation has to focus on the drawing board. What is it that they can do better for the athletes? Uh, what kind of chances they can assist? I mean, these athletes were doing um, diamond leagues prior prior to uh, to the championship. You know, I mean, if if they had a good uh, support structure on, on the drawing board, they wouldn't have to do so many diamond leagues so that they can try and, and, and make mm-hmm. a living out of the case, if you understand what I'm yeah. saying. You get to a championship, you're a little bit uh, fatigued, you know, mm-hmm. and still try to perform under those circumstances where, where your competitors, they're relaxing, they're waiting for the big day because they have this big support. So they choose, they pick and choose their competition that, okay, I won't do this one, I won't do this one, I'll do that one so that I'm ready at the championship. So this is... This is the drawing board that we as a country, Athletic South Africa and South Africa as, as well, unfortunately, we have to look at that, uh, that drawing board because they, our cards our cards are great. The athletes are doing very well. Now, the other sticking point for me, and I'm glad you mentioned ASA and Saskok, and I've raised this with Saskok and ASA, and you would know after what happened at last year's Commonwealth Games with you, yeah. what do you make of our associations always wanting to send medal hopefuls to these uh, major events instead of using them to develop the athletes and have a four- or eight-year plan? I think, you know, uh, one wouldn't know quite well what's happening within the administration. We can just see from the outside. But I think what's, what's more important is that we, we need to start, we need to stop talking and actually start putting in the work towards the athletes. You know what I'm saying? And uh, really, really taking that risk of, of giving the athletes a chance uh, to be supported. And I think... If, we, if if the federations can start there to say, look, now we're going to take a risk. Now we're going to go all out with the athletes. No matter what, we're going to go all out and support them from day one. And I'm talking from from now. I mean, the, se- mm. the season is over now. The athletes are going to rest for like two, three weeks, and then they're going to start preparing again, uh, uh, continuing towards uh, the Olympic Games. The federations should start right now. Look at the drawing board. Look at their cards. The cards, they're ready. Look at the drain board. What is it that we have to do now to make sure that we have a success in 2020? If we're going to miss this period now, between uh, middle of October and um, and April, mm. towards our national championship, we're not going to have a great success at the Olympic Games. But now you'll find you'll find somebody qualifying for the Olympics via the IOC route, and then uh, Sasko comes back and says, "No, you didn't meet our qualifying criteria. We want to make sure that you're going to get a medal there, or you're going to make the final." Is that is that ideal? How do athletes take this? Yeah, I mean, we have to look at uh, 
I mean, when you look at the qualification standards, you know, uh, when an athlete has qualified, that means the athlete has earned the right yeah. uh, to go to go and compete and, and stand for their country. But then, I mean, you look at our federation, then they have to look at the budget and, and, and those kind of things. And, but what's important is that when athletes qualify, we have to look at supporting them so that they can get to the podium. We can't just say, no, no, you didn't meet, you didn't meet our requirements. If, if the Olympic Association or the IAF gives you a yellow card to come or by invitation, that means they believe that we can actually do something. You know what I mean? Mm. So SASCOC needs to see it, uh, needs to also see it that way, that if, if an athlete has a, a wild card or an invitation to go, uh, they must just start believing in the athletes and start the process right now. You know, I mean, I think... I think it's very important for me to stress this out that they need we need to start the process right now as it stands so that we we are not late because uh, 2020 we have to produce more medals. Mm. And and what kind of support is this? I know that there was the OPEX program by SASCOG. Is it financial support? Is it support with your schedule? Is it support with your training or with diets and all sorts of things? Yeah, I mean uh, the, the support is all around. I mean. Uh, I mean, everything now has to do with with, with financials. You know, mm. I mean, you need you need finances to go to the physio. You need finances uh, to look after the coach so that you you get more performances. And by the way, our track and field uh, athlete coach, our track and field coaches are not uh, being recognized the way they should. Yeah. You know? that's why some athletes um, go to the Diamond League. They have no coach and, and they can't perform. But but some athletes do well because of the coaches. So we have to look at both both aspects of the athlete and the coach. And what is it that they need to do in order for them to be successful? If they demand more uh, financials for them to to handle their training camps, to handle uh, uh, more of the the security stuff that they need to do. Because I mean, if if if, if you don't have much, you, you you have a lot of stress. And, and athletics is an is an emotional game, by the way. Mm. If, if if, if you don't have good support and you're not happy and you're not feeling good, you don't perform at all. Whether you're in the best shape of your life, you're just not going to perform. Hmm. And before we let you go, Khotso, by the way, thanks for that wonderful insight. I believe that you're also involved now um, in, in marketing. What exactly are you are, are you doing? Yeah, so uh, I started a uh, marketing agency. Uh, hmm. It's called Roadvertise. So what we do in, 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 in the company is... Uh, I want to connect the communities with the brand and also connect the brands with the communities, you know, and through through on the ground experiential uh, marketing and, and uh, activations as well. So I think um, the reason for me to start this was also, I mean, I, I have been a brand uh, for almost 20 years in the track and field, you know, mm. and I've always wanted to to work with different brands so that they also be able to achieve their goals within the communities and this is what we do ah, that's great stuff and how do people find out more about Roadvertise they can find uh, find me on the internet as well uh, our website is www.roadvertiseads.com that's www.roadvertiseads.com and also if there's uh, anyone who wants to send information or find out more they can uh, send on, on, on info at roadvertise.com or kotso at roadvertise.com. Okay, great stuff. Before we let you go, let's just go to the voice notes. Good evening. Good evening, Tabunusia. I'm talking to Elona from Queenstown and Kumbani. Can you please, I just want to know what is going to happen to Semenya. Is she going to the Olympics next day in Tokyo? 
for what is going to happen because the things what happen without I E E W F. What is going to happen with her? Is she going to the Olympics or what? Okay, thanks for that. As far as I understand, I mean, there's still that appeal. They've appealed, so we're waiting for that from the Swiss uh, Federal Court, and then we'll see what happens from there. But also, just your thoughts. There was somebody yeah. else that asked this on Twitter. What do you make of what's happened with Casta Semeni? I think, obviously, we, it's upsetting to see something like this happen, you know. Um, but it's something that we, we, we can't control, especially... I'm speaking from an athlete's point of view, you know. Uh, I can't basically do nothing about it, but uh, to sit and be upset and just hope that everything goes well. I mean, uh, such such great talent, such great inspiration to the sports. I don't know how I don't know how some people would want to throw away a great inspiration uh, to the whole world. I mean, Casta is not just an inspiration to uh, to South Africa or Africa, but she's an inspiration to the whole world and. Uh, but if, if if you are a leader and someone is an inspiration like that, you you should be able. You, in fact, you should be harnessing that that kind of inspiration to inspire more people instead of trying to to erase it. So uh, it's uh, we, we just hope that everything will will go as planned. But I know Casta is uh, she's very strong and uh, uh, she's a, a very positive person. We are also positive and hoping for a positive outcome as well. Finally, on Twitter, Zuelicha wants to know what is our pipeline? How are the juniors and the youth doing? Are you happy with the with the talents ca- that's coming through, the young ones? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, when you speak about brands, also we go back to the brands. You know, the mm. brands are starting to come in and they, they are plowing in, into the youth and the junior. We're speaking like brands with, with uh, Twizzer. You know, Twizzer, mm. the best. Yes, yes, yes. They, yes. Have a school, they have a school series that's doing amazing. Uh, they had a championship, schools championship over the past weekend. Athletes are doing brilliant over there, and uh, I, I think our youth and juniors, uh, are, are obviously, they, they are the next generation, and I always stress out that uh, federations should look out for the youth and the juniors, but at the moment, they are coming quite great. I think, uh, in, in a, say, in 10 years, 15 years' time, you're going to have a very, very strong team of tracking for coming from the juniors. Great stuff. Khotso, thank you very much for speaking to us on SAFM. Good to hear from you and all the thank best you. on your quest for the last Olympic Games next year. That's Khotso Mukwena there and uh, you can follow him on Twitter also at Mukwena Inspires the Croc talking to us um, about the World Athletics Champions. Zulich has really not impressed uh, with Team SA's performances. He sent us a lot of uh, tweets. I can't get through all of them but he says I disagree with Croc. South Africa didn't do well. No medal. We've moved backwards we've been there a few times those are all experienced athletes with lots of history if we send the same group they won't win a medal we're going to turn our attention now to football uh, we're going to the Bafana Bafana camp we had a chat with Bradley Krobler the Supersport United a striker we had to speak to him before the show because they've got dinner at 7 and Coach Mulef Inseke doesn't want any player uh, missing dinner there trying to build his team spirit in his team so uh, we had to speak to Brad before they went for dinner and I began by asking him how it's been uh, in camp. They've been in camp for about two days now. They went to the Nelson Mandela Children's Hospital and then had a training session at FNB and then left for PE today. Uh, yeah, it's been it's been very good. You know, it's, it's always nice to come back. Yeah, um, obviously after the disappointment of the disappointments of not you know playing the last in the last international break for different reasons. You know, it's, it's a bit frustrating, but yeah, it's definitely good to be back and. You know, we've kind of carried on from where we left off, and 
I think everyone's excited, excited to for Sunday to come and us to to play. And and for players, Brad, how do you react to those cancelled friendlies against Zambia and Madagascar? Is it something you understand, or would you have liked to play? Yeah, as I said, I think it was it, it was extremely frustrating for all of us, you know, to come to camp and 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 not actually play a game. But at the same time, there was definitely a lot of positives that came from the actual camp. You know, we obviously we got a new coach in Malife and. You know, a new coach comes with, with different ideas and that. So we actually had a very good week of training, working on different formations, different systems, a lot of good video sessions, you know, with, with what we want to do going forward. So as disappointed as we were, we did a lot of good work in that week. And like I said, it's just carried on now into this week. So it was very frustrating, but at the same time, it, it was a lot of positives. So, so we, we did take the positives out of that and now... You know, we're moving forward and hopefully, well, not hopefully, I'm pretty sure the game will take place on Sunday and everyone's very excited. And talking about the new coach, I mean, is, is, would you say there's a certain way that he wants you guys to play? Um, you know, it, it's, Coach Melissa has been in the game for an extremely long time, you know, and he, he hasn't really been the head coach for many teams, but he's done an extremely good job so far. And one thing about him, and I think it's very similar to our coach, Kotano Supersport, is... They've been involved with the team for a very long time, and they've worked as assistant coaches for for many different coaches, and they have, they've kind of learned, you know, the good things, the bad things, and I think it's a great, you know, opportunity for for the coach now to to take over. I think it was was the right decision to appoint him. Um, so yeah, I think I think it was looking forward to the game. I think it'll be nice for him, um, and yeah, we also obviously all just want to play again and, and start a new era and. And I think carry on from where the team left off, you know, when they came back from AFCON, which I think they did extremely well. So I think it's, it's, it's been an exciting time for the national team. And on that note, I mean, um, what are you guys expecting from Mali? And does, is it a must-win game or is it just to get combinations right and understand how the coach wants you to play? Yeah, look, I think as a national team, I think for any team and, and for any player, every game you want to play whether it be a friendly or or not, um, you want to win every game. And for me, to be honest, at international level, I don't think there are things as such as friendly games. I think you got to win every game. Every game counts for 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 points in world rankings. And at the same time, we're also looking forward to to you know the qualifiers coming up next month. Um, yeah. So personally, I think Mali Mali is a very good. Opponent, I think they were very good at Afcon. I know they got knocked out quite early on, but I think they're a very good team. Uh, they ranked higher than us, so it's definitely a massive challenge, especially going into the Ghana and Sudan game next month. Um, so yeah, it's, it's going it's to be difficult, but it's it's a game we've got to test ourselves in and build and build going forward. And you must be feeling good coming into camp on the back of a good goal uh, that won the final in the M108. Yeah, I'm feeling very confident at the moment. You know, I've I've started the league pretty well. Um, it's been a good two months for me at Super Sport, and you know, I'm just really enjoying my football at the moment. You know, I've, I've worked extremely hard during the pre-season to to get fit and you know look after myself as much as I can to to kind of play as much football as I can. You know, the last few years have been very frustrating for me with the injuries and operations and that. So. Yeah, I'm feeling very good at the moment, as good as I've felt for, for a long time. And I know it's very early on in the season, but yeah, feeling good and just got to make sure I look after myself and 
and be on the field as much as I can. And is that what you would say has been key then to your good start to the season, Brad, just being injury-free and, like you're saying, taking good care of yourself? Yeah, I think I think I think it's it's been a combination of a lot of things, you know, to start the season well. I think first of all, I'm extremely hungry. You know, I've missed a lot of football, and I was, especially after Afcon, you know, watching Afcon and and just being disappointed, you know, that I, I couldn't be there with the team, and I didn't give myself an opportunity to be there. You know, I struggled with the operation last year, and I tired out quite a bit towards the end of the season. It didn't feel very good, so I think. On top of of me being more hungry and and just wanting to play, you know, I'm not getting younger either. So I put a lot of it down to to our preseason. I we got a new fitness training at the club, and I did things a bit differently this year. You know, the last couple of seasons, you know, the coaches have let me kind of rest and skip a few days here and there when it's been a bit hard, and that to kind of manage me. And this preseason, I kind of didn't miss. I don't even think I've never missed half a training session. I've finished every single session. I worked a lot harder than I've worked for a long time. And, and I think maybe that that's what I needed, just a, a, a really hard, hard preseason to get my body ready for, for what's to come. So, so far, so good, and I hope it continues. And then psychologically, how are you feeling? Does it play on the back of your mind that uh, you've been affected by injuries in the past few seasons? How do you deal with that mentally? No, I think what one thing I... This season, especially you know, having the, the support of you know SuperSport and and you know everyone at SuperSport is it's not something that's in my head at all. Um, I've kind of shifted I've shifted my focus away from you know thinking about injuries and just trying to look after myself and and try and prevent injuries as much as I can. Obviously, that that's never going to be 100% right, but you know there's always going to be knocks and little kicks and that that you get. But yeah, I am looking after myself more than. I probably used to, not that I did much wrong, but I've just been extra cautious and treating things, you know, a little locks and that more seriously. And yeah, like I said, just managing my body and just making sure I, I give myself the best chance I can to, to play. And finally, what will make a good season for you? Um, obviously, when it comes to the national team, you know, like I said, it's been very frustrating the last couple of years, being in and out, in and out through injuries and and different reasons. So I'd love to, you know, cement a spot here and, and play a lot more games and be more regular with the national team. And, you know, when it comes to, to club football, also, again, I mean, I owe a lot to Supersport. They've been very good to me over the years when I've been injured. So I want to be on the field as much as I can. I have no doubt that the goals will come. So I don't want to set goal targets for myself. No, I just want to be on the field playing and I think we need to we need to be better in the league. I think over the last few years, you know, we've been very good in cup competitions and making finals and 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 doing well. And the league just hasn't been good enough for us. So I think that's something we really want to focus on. Is just maybe you know we don't have to win the league. It would be nice, but just to to finish in a more respectable position for us, I think is is one of our main targets. Yeah. And lastly, we spoke to your old man a few months ago on our show here on SAFM, and he was saying that he's your biggest critic. What what has he said to you this season, and what did he say after that win over Highlands Park? Yeah, I think you know my dad's. I think he's correct when he said he's probably my biggest critic, but I think at the same time he's probably, you know, my biggest fan as well. So I've been very privileged to have grown up, you know, having him as my coach till I signed professional. I mean, even still today, he's. 
you know, helps me a lot still. We speak a lot after pretty much every game and, and I still learn things from him. So I'm incredibly grateful to him, you know, for that. Um, so yeah, we do speak a lot after the game on the weekend. Was a bit was a bit touchy, obviously, because he's involved at Islands Park, and yeah. you know I'm his son and he supports me. So it was a bit of a, a touch and go. Um, I think it was a very uncomfortable week for him, you know, having to see the, the management and the owners at, at Highlands. But yeah, I think at the end of the day, you know, it, it's football. I'm his son. That Highlands Park plays club. So I think whoever won at the end of the day, you would have been, you would have been happy. And like I said, I mean. He was proud of me. He did, he did say that, and yeah, I've just been fortunate to have him as my coach and, and mentor. Okay, that's Bradley Robles speaking to us. Then, before they had to go for dinner in the Bafana Bafana camp, they are in PE to face uh, Mali in the Nelson Mandela Challenge. There, the game is on Sunday. Uh, tickets are available. Bantu Basipai. There's still lots of people. Uh, tickets available there uh, for the game on a Sunday. And someone on Twitter says, "Yeah, Bradley Robles did not answer your question. Does the coach have a particular way of playing?" And uh, and somebody people are saying, "Ask Bradley Robles about." His transfer move or uh, rumors leaving Supersport United for a big team. No, guys, this is not the time. We're catching up with him in the Bafana Bafana camp. Let's respect Bafana Bafana Bafana. There will be a time for that. But talking about a big team now, and uh, let's uh, speak to Orlando Pirates administrator, Mr. Floyd Mbele. Uh, last week, we wanted to remember and find out more about City City Khadebe, uh, but Due to circumstances beyond our control, we could not get to that conversation about City Khadebe. And uh, I believe that he was late to rest on a Saturday. Uh, Godfrey City Khadebe has got so much respect, especially uh, from people from uh, Harangua. He formed a team called City Blizzards there in Harangua that played in the first division of the now defunct Pop Sol. Uh, so Floyd Mbele joins us on the line just to educate us and, and to make us understand who this uh, great man was. Floyd, good evening. Thank you very much for speaking to us on uh, SAFM. Uh, good evening to you too. Good evening to the listeners and uh, thank you for the opportunity. Who is this great player and a great man that everybody's talking about, Godfrey City Khadebe, Floyd? Uh, Godfrey City Khadebe is uh, a player that came to Orlando Pirates uh, in 1979. He was born in 1957 in Lady Um and obviously with the forced removals uh, ended up in Harangua. Um, in 1979, he came to join the London Pirates and um, he stayed there until um, 1982. Uh, prolific scorer. Mm. Um, in fact, in 1979, 1980, when he played, um, he scored six goals in one month. At that time, it was something that was unheard of. Uh, obviously, with the frequency of matches taking place at that time, um, and he won uh, the Sports Star uh, of the month, the Citrus Sports Star of the month. If you remember the the sponsorships uh, during that time, uh, it. Gentleman, uh, smart dresser, very humble being, um, and somebody who uh, we call, we consider a legend at the club. And uh, sadly, last week um, he passed away. Um, uh, he had obviously uh, was suffering from throat cancer for some time. 
Um, he had gotten involved in community projects. Um, he was coaching. He was actually a founder of a team called City Blizzards. Yes. Yeah, in the Harankwa area, a lot of players coming through from City Blizzards, but also was attached to the TUT uh, in, uh, in in Harankua. He, he was also a coach there at one of their teams. But uh, the pouring of grief from the soccer fraternity on Saturday was overwhelming, particularly all the former grades in the uh, northern north area where there. Uh, but what a wonderful send-off for yeah. somebody who uh, we are told that uh, for the first year that he played at Pirates, he took the money that he was earning and was giving it to all the kids in and around Rangua yeah. that wanted to further their studies. Uh, and uh, it, 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 it was a devastating blow for him to pass away. But uh, and, and which Pirates team was he? Sorry to come in just for the sake of time. Which Pirates team was he part of? Which great Pirates team was he part of? Who were some of the players that he played with? Uh, he was in the 1979-1980s team, uh, so he played uh, with uh, Bo Patrick Wasmuth. I'm sure you know Patrick Wasmuth. And Brad Jay. Uh, yes, he played with Prajay, uh-huh. he played with Stephen Guni, he played with Oscar, Jasmine Lamini, uh, he played with George Harar Makubela, Jerry Sadike, yeah. Julius K.K. Sono, uh, Amos Hill Extension Mkari, uh-huh. they both were from, uh, they both from uh, uh, Pretoria, mm. uh, Jeffrey Tonadon Tibande. He was in that era, in fact, in 1980, they won the Main State Cup in 1980. Ah, and Mishak Mjatega? Uh, no, Mishak Mjatega came just slightly after him. Oh, and Bra Webster? Uh, Bra Webster, actually, uh, he, he, they, they relayed an interesting story uh, that when he arrived at Paris, uh, Webster was supposed to go overseas. Uh, because it was a new phenomenon at the time. And in one of the matches, uh, they were playing, uh, I can't remember who the opposition was. The opponent kept telling that if Braweb was going to play, they were going to break his bones to, to, so that he, he missed his opportunity of going overseas. And in that game, they decided to play uh, uh, Brasiti in place of uh, Braweb and Brasiti played all that game uh, and the opponent kept saying oh yeah they're sacrificing you for Braweb I'm <laughs> going to kill you but he gave as hard as he took it and he came out of that game unscathed so Braweb would have a very vivid memory of him great stuff Floyd thanks for those memories thank you for joining us we really appreciate it we just wanted to highlight this man and even educate ourselves Thanks a lot for the opportunity. You're welcome. And there's a tweet that says in Harankuwa he was known as Bro City. It was always difficult to face his team during the Chappies League. Ah, that's another conversation we must have. Chappies Little League. Who remembers two for joy? But uh, for another day because our time is really up.